This is Church of the Resurrection in Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, if you don't know, my, my name is Will Chester, and I'm the youth pastor here at Church of the Resurrection. And this whole summer, we're in a series on the Book of Psalms. So the Book of Psalms is a, a collection of 150 prayers, and it's found right in the middle of your Bible in the Old Testament. And we've been talking about the Psalms as, as what's called a school of prayer, that we learn to pray as we pray the Psalms, and as we learn from the psalmists and how they prayed. And what we find in the Psalms is that these aren't just, you know, it's not just poems written by, you know, individuals just about their lives, but they're, they're liturgies. There's, they're prayers written for us to speak to God in all seasons of life. And so this morning we're talking about lament, expressions of grief and anger and even doubt to God. And we need these psalms. We need these psalms because, of course, this morning there are people in this room who find it very difficult even to be here now because of the grief or the anger that they're carrying with them this morning. It's very difficult for them to, to sing these joyful songs because that's not what they feel inside. And so we need these psalms of lament because if you're one of those people this morning, you need to know that there's a place for your grief even in this holy sanctuary, that there's a place for your grief and anger, even in the context of worship. And we also need these laments because, because of course, this is a time of, of national tragedy. We continue to mourn shootings in Dayton and El Paso. How do we pray in these terrible moments? How do we pray when we read the stories of, about the victims? read a story about an infant boy who will never know his parents because they died protecting his life. How do, we take, how do we take a story like that into worship? Worshiping a God we believe is good and just. The answer is we do it through lament. The laments show us how to deal with these questions and these feelings with the Lord. The Psalms of Lament are gifts of God for people who are suffering and for those who walk beside them. The Psalms of Lament are gifts of God for those who are suffering and for those who walk beside them. They teach us that it is not unspiritual to bring to God our negative feelings just as they are. In fact, that is, they teach us that it is a holy thing to do so. And so that's what we'll discuss this morning. The Psalms teach us to talk to God in times of trouble. So would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we need you this morning. We need you to teach us how to lament. And Lord, what we, what we ask for this morning is a greater measure of our own humanity, the humanity that you share with us. We remember the way you wept over Lazarus. We remember the way that you prayed these laments in the Gospels, even on the cross. Lord, would you teach us to do the same? Would you lead us to our Heavenly Father? And we pray this in your name. Amen. So here's what I'd like to do for us this morning. I'd like us to walk through Psalm 13. So you can, you can open there in your bulletin, because I'll be referencing back to it. And Psalm 13 is a great lament psalm for us to study because it's, it's kind of the paradigm of what a lament is. It has all the features that you would expect to find in a lament psalm. 
And so if you understand Psalm 13, then you can understand a third of the book of Psalms. Because over a third of the Psalms, over 50 of them, are prayers of lament, just like this. And so what we see in Psalm 13 is it has three basic parts. It begins with a complaint or a lament, the grief in verses 1 and 2. It moves on to petition, asking God for something in verses 3 and 4. And then finally closes with praise. Complaint, petition, and praise. And that's the basic structure of a lament. So let's read this together. How long, O Lord? No, he's not asking, like, you know, how many more minutes do I have to wait until we can leave? But he's ex expressing this feeling of abandonment. Like, how long, O Lord? I need you, and you're not here. Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? He feels alone. There's no one to lean on. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? He's under oppression. He's experiencing an injustice. So what's being expressed here? That's the first thing we want to ask when we come to a lament psalm. We have feelings of abandonment and of loneliness of vulnerability, of grief. And so I think there, there are three things we need to notice in this complaint. And the first is this, that lament is conversation. Lament is conversation. He says, how long, O Lord? He's addressing God. And this is important because it tells us that lament is not the same thing as simply expressing grief or anger. It's expressing those things to God. It's not a monologue. It's not a social media post. It's not a rant by the water cooler in the office. But it's prayer. It's a place of meeting with God. I think that's really helpful for us for a couple reasons. One, a lot of people have a concern that we're going to get stuck in lament. If we start complaining, we'll just get stuck there and we'll never leave. And I actually don't think that's often the case if we address those laments to God. I think what often happens is we get stuck in complaining. That's true. But we don't often get stuck that way when we're addressing these prayers to God. And we may go through a season of wrestling, but he leads us through. He's faithful. I think it's also important because of this, because when many of us are hurting, especially uh, during a, a national tragedy like we've experienced this past week, we have this activistic impulse, right? We want to do something. And so, and so we get online and we read all the right articles and we start sending those to our friends. Here are the answers. If only we listen to this advice. And we start posting our own advice on social media and our own frustrations and anger. And there's a place for all of that. It's all, it's all good in its place, but it's not lament because lament is a conversation with God. And this is important for us because I think if we're honest, at least part of what drives us towards being activistic, towards doing something, is that we have this sense of powerlessness. We have this sense that we actually can't do anything. And that makes us afraid. And we feel grief. And so posting online becomes a way to say, well, at least I'm not part of the problem. We're placating this feeling of powerlessness. But what the laments invite us to do is actually to look that powerlessness in the face and offer it to the Lord and say, I have grief that only you can answer. 
I have problems that only you can solve, Lord. That's what the laments invite us to do. They invite us into conversation. The second thing to note is that lament is emotive. Lament is emotive. Will you forget me forever? I have sorrow in my heart all the day. If you can't feel certain negative emotions like sadness, fear, shame, if you can't feel those things, then it's going to be really hard to lament. It's going to be hard to connect with these prayers. This is important for us to think about because the Hebrews, as a culture, weren't like so many of us. They didn't have a problem emoting. They're an incredibly emotive and visceral people. I mean, Bishop Stewart, he would have been a really good Hebrew. (laughs) I'm sure of it. But for many of us, our emotional world isn't as broad as that. It's, It's much more confined. So the Hebrews, they didn't just feel sad, but they tore their clothing. You know, and they didn't just feel badly, but they threw themselves onto the dust. They weren't just stricken with grief, but they pulled their beards out. I mean, what would be written about us today, right? This young man was, was so upset, so stricken with grief that he pulled his phone out and started checking his fantasy football team, right? This, uh, this young woman was so stricken with grief that she started scrolling Instagram until the feelings went away. This couple was heartbroken. And so they sat together and watched Netflix and didn't talk about anything. I mean, distraction is a real problem for us. And it's not just a problem for us because it takes us away from the act of praying, but distraction also keeps us from the content of prayer, which in the case of lament are our feelings. Distraction keeps us from dealing with the feelings that we need to deal with and that lament gives us a way of dealing with. Because the thing is, those emotions have an effect on us, even if we're not recognizing that they're there. They're affecting us. And I see this in the example of a, of a friend of mine. So his, his marriage was struggling, and he, and he went into this time of healing to fix his marriage, and he was, he was going to therapy. And the therapist, the first thing they started talking about, it wasn't like communication skills or, or anger management. It wasn't any of the things you'd think you'd need to talk about if your marriage was struggling. Actually, what they needed to talk about was that my friend couldn't feel. And he'd describe his story like this. He'd say, in my house growing up, there were two acceptable emotions, anger and happiness, or laughter, humor. Anger and humor, those are the only two things he got from his upbringing. And the problem was that his job was actually a really stressful place. And he was often afraid that he would lose his job. He carried this anxiety with him. But because he only had two emotions, it had to get filtered into one of those. And so more often than not, his fear would get filtered into anger, and that would come out in his marriage and cause all sorts of problems. Or then his his marriage was causing him this deep sadness that he carried with him wherever he went. But he didn't he did never learn to name sadness. He'd never learned to feel that way. And so sadness got filtered into humor, sarcastic joking, to show, oh, I'm above of the I'm above all this. It doesn't really affect me. But he was ignoring the truth. He, he was affected. He just didn't have a way of dealing with that. The Psalms of Lament are emotive. They teach us to be emotive. 
And our example in, in this is Jesus himself took on our humanity with the full emotional range that humans are capable of having. And we'll come back to that. Because the other problem is this, that many of us feel that certain negative emotions like sadness or grief or doubt are unspiritual. It's unspiritual to express those things to God. And the psalmists actually point us a different way. The Psalms of Lament show us that, you know, these aren't, these aren't prayers of doubt as much as they are prayers of faith in the midst of doubt. In our efforts to, to tell ourselves, well, you know, I shouldn't be angry because I know that God is in control, well, that looks holy on the outside. It's actually keeping us from holiness because it's keeping us from our own humanity. It looks good on the outside, but it's not real. It's not an authentic, authentic encounter with God. And Pastor Peter Scazzaro says this. He says, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And so if we don't learn to emote with God, if we somehow think that sadness and grief are expressions of doubt and shouldn't be voiced to him, then we'll remain emotionally and spiritually immature. The Psalms of Lament are holy meeting places. That's the third thing. They're holy meeting places with God. And they invite us to do this, to speak what we feel and not what we ought to say. Or maybe better yet, they teach us to speak what we feel before speaking what we ought to say and what we know is true. And Psalm 22 is a great example of this. So Psalm 22 begins with this complaint. God, you're not listening to me. I'm speaking, but you're not listening. And then later it says, but I know God hears my cries. And you read that and you're like, well, why the contradiction? Why are you being so wishy-washy, speaking out of both sides of your mouth? And the answer is this, because both things are true. He's voicing his feeling on the one hand that God is not listening, and his faith, his belief, on the other hand, that God, surely God listens. But he's giving voice to both of those. And with, what this teaches us is that God doesn't just desire that we have the right theology. He doesn't just desire that we believe that he's just and all-powerful and good and loving in all that he does. But he also wants us to be truthful with how we're feeling towards him feeling is not the problem. The feeling is actually a pathway for connecting with God. And that's what the laments teach us. And as I said, our ultimate example here is Jesus. Because what did Jesus do? He took on the fullness of our humanity, grief and sorrow and fear, disappointment, disappointment frailty, anxiety, tears. These were all part of his experience even though he is holy God. He embodied the lament psalms. He's a man of sorrows who prayed these psalms not only daily in his custom, his tradition that we've received, but he prayed them in his own moments of trouble. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He gave voice to these laments. So in Jesus, we have this union of our full humanity on the one hand with the vulnerability that that entails with the union of God's holy presence 
And in lament, we're called to do that, to bring our humanity, powerlessness, frailty, brokenness, anger, doubt, and place it before God where we can be transformed. And so the question isn't, do you have too much faith to pray these prayers? The question is, do you have enough faith to pray prayers of lament? Lament is conversation. It is emotive. It is holy. So Psalm 13 moves forward to verses 3 and 4. It moves from complaint into petition, where he pleads with God to do something about his situation. He says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Notice here that even this petition, even this request, is an act of profound faith. Because he wouldn't ask God to do something if he didn't believe that God was all-powerful. He wouldn't point out injustice if he didn't believe that God is a God of justice. And so he's pointing out this discrepancy. God, you're up there, and you're just, and you've created this world to be a just place, but that's not my experience, so do something about it. He's petitioning him in an act of faith. And a petition like this is actually a really hard prayer to pray. And we might not think that because for most of us, probably most of our prayers are asking God for stuff. But this is a petition in the midst of lament. This is a a petition in the midst of vulnerability. And this raises hard questions like, Well, what if God doesn't answer my prayer? That's a very real question. And the advice of the psalmist, what he's leading us to do is to try him. To ask God for that thing that he might not give you and which will break your heart if you do not receive it. Try him. Because it's in this place, it's in praying these kinds of prayers that real and abiding faith is forged. This is where faith is forged, and is in asking for the hard things in the context of revealing those hard things through lament. Finally, the psalm moves on to praise. Verse 5, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, He's thinking of the future. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. All lament psalms move in this direction, except for one, Psalm 88. All lament psalms move in the direction of praise. After we've spoken what we feel, the psalms lead us to speak what we ought to say, what we know is true. And this isn't a way of, like, spiritualizing. This isn't a way of denying everything that's come before. All of that is real. This this vow of praise, this is a place of revelation where he's met God through hardship. We'll see God's goodness one day. But not if we try to jump there without passing go. You have to go through lament. You have to go through petition to arrive at praise. God's steadfast love will get the last word. But don't go there without going through lament. We see this kind of deep revelation time and time again in in the scriptures. 
When you think of Job, Job didn't come to a place of real understanding by, by digesting the good theology of his friends. He came to a place of deep understanding by encountering God through lament. We can think of the prophet Elijah, who only heard God's encouraging voice speak to him in a gentle whisper after he had expressed his despair and loneliness before God. We think of the example of Jesus. Yes, he is revealed in his glorious majesty, but not until he went through the cross, not until he spoke words to, of lament to his heavenly Father. We have to bring these feelings before the Lord if we're going to be transformed, if we're going to come authentically to a place of praise. And I think this is really important when we're counseling others who are in a, a stage of grief. Because sometimes we'll be counseling somebody and they'll just be angry because of something significant that's happened in their life. And they'll say, God abandoned me. I don't care what you say, God left me. And you're thinking, no, no, don't think that. God is everywhere. He would never leave you. Don't think that. God is loving. And you're not wrong about those things. You're not wrong to think those things or even to say those. But oftentimes, what that person needs in the moment is not good theology. What they need is for you to say to them, can we pray that? That, that sense of abandonment that you just voiced, would you pray that to God? In fact, I'm going to pull out my Bible right now could we pray Psalm 13 together? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Oftentimes what people need most from us is to lead them into a place of encounter with God. Let God do the heavy lifting. He can bring them back to center. He can remind them of his steadfast love. But don't try to rush them there yourself. Let them be human, that they might become holy in God's holy presence. Lead them into prayer. Open the Psalms. Let them pray from there. God is faithful. These are not prayers of doubt. They're prayers of faith in the midst of doubt. And that's why they're a gift to us. So as I said earlier, these Psalms teach us to pray and and where I want to close is by asking this question. What kind of community would we become if we practiced lament? If we learned to lament, what kind of community would we become? What kind of faith would you pass on to your children if you didn't just teach them the right truths about God, but if you taught them that their emotions are not the problem? that their emotions are actually a pathway, a vehicle for them to connect with God? What kind of faith would you forge in your own family? What kind of community would we become if we learn to weep with those who weep and suffer with those who suffer, even people who suffer in different ways than us? Because as Paul says, when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers with it. When one part of the body laments, the whole body is to lament. And as we've seen this last week, we have black and brown brothers and sisters in Christ, some of whom are in this room with us now, part of our community, who are suffering, 
who are angry, who are afraid, who are grieving, who are sad because of the effects of racism in our country. And we might have ideas on solutions, and that would be good to talk about, but why not begin by weeping with those who weep? Why not, why not begin with lament, especially over the concerns of our brothers and sisters in Christ? It is our privilege to lament with the body of Christ and to speak with one voice to the Father. Where are you, God? Bring justice. Because the laments are God's gift to us in our own times of suffering and as we walk beside others who are suffering. And may we do that. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our vision at Church of the Resurrection is to equip everyone for transformation. As part of that vision, we love to share dynamic teaching, original music, and stories of transformation. For more of what you heard today, check out the rest of our podcast. To learn more about our ministry, visit churchres.org.